Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible. This is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi, Erica. So let me introduce you first, and then we'll get right into it. Today, we have some ladies from the Trusted Canna Nurse. Did I get that right? That's your company? Yep. And we are going to talk about I, I think what people call it is cannabis nurse. Like that's the term I've heard before. Is that accurate? Yeah. And so that Megan, is, yeah. So Megan is the CEO and founder and Ariane is the director of patient care services at this company. And I'm so excited to talk to you all. And I have to say, I am one of those nurses that knows nothing. I am absolutely here to learn. And I know that I am not the only nurse that knows nothing. So you all are the experts. And I'm so happy to have you on because one, this is nurses and this is a job that nurses are doing. And this is a field. I feel like it's up and coming. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. Very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, this is how I start every single interview is I say, where are you from and where are you located? So Megan, we'll start with you. Okay, I am from Northern Wisconsin, a little town in Northern Wisconsin. I've lived all over the country. Right now I'm in Southern California in Claremont. Okay, so we're not that far. I'm down here in San Diego County. And okay. I bet it's a lot different than Northern Wisconsin in terms of weather. <laughs> in terms of a lot of things, it's very different. Yeah, I bet. So Ariane, where are you from and where are you located? Um, I'm from Southeast Texas. Um, and I'm located north of Austin right now. I moved out here probably about three years ago, but I spent all my life in, in Southeast Texas and East Texas. So, that's oh, Are I'm you at. familiar with a town called Paris, Texas? I am. That's where I'm from. Uh, all right. <laughs> yes, you can believe it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So Megan, we'll start with you. How did you even get into nursing in general? Uh, nursing in general, um, it was not, not your typical story. Um, maybe a typical millennial story that I got my, I had my first degree was a dance degree. I've been a dancer my whole life. Um, and then I, I had to pay my way with student loans and then I had a hard time paying off my student loans. Yeah. Uh, from the first degree. So like, I need, I need a career that I can afford to uh, pay for the dance lessons and pay off my student loans. Um, and my mom was a nurse. So I like, I figured that that's, that's a great thing. And I can go into multiple avenues with nursing. So that, that was my entry into nursing. Absolutely. And another thing about it is one, it pays the bills and two, it, frees up other time for you to pursue other interests, whether it's dancing, whether it's your own company, whether it's just living your own life, you know? So Ariane, how did you come into nursing? So I went into nursing uh, almost 16 years ago now with the intention of being able to get into a space of doing like holistic healthcare and working with herbs and plants and stuff like that. 
Um, and I wound up in the emergency room, right? Um, I also had like a deep passion for labor and delivery, but when I did my clinical rotation, like so many things didn't make sense and I just didn't want to be a part of and do. So working in the ER made sense, kind of reminded me of waiting tables to a certain extent. And I know that people can resonate with that. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's, that's how I got into nursing and, uh, I ended up doing a couple of years also in labor and delivery, which was really enlightening of, um, the doctors I don't want to work with, um, the, the doctor <laughs> you don't want delivering your baby if you, ha- if you choose to have one. <laughs> and then I, and then I ended up, you know, where I am now, which is working with plants and alternative therapies and cannabis and stuff like that. And it just fills me with joy. So took a little bit of time to get here, but it's been worth it. Absolutely. I feel like there has been this boom. I don't know. I guess it's kind of somewhat controversial where people, you know, there was this push to just shove pills and pharmacology and people are like, well, hold up a second. Are there alternatives that are, have less side effects that will, you know, address my symptoms. And um, that can be controversial. I'm not sure why, but it can be. But anyway, so Megan, you got into nursing, you're paying bills, you're paying off your student debt. You, what did you go into first as a nurse? Ariane, what was in the EOM? Um, what did you go into? Um, I initially, my first jobs were at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. I did um, oncology bone marrow transplant. And over there, when the patient got like really, really sick, they stayed on the BMT unit. So it was like oncology ICU. So it was like the sickest of the sick patients. Um, and then from there, I, I had my kid and then I was like, I'm done with this. And then I went to labor and delivery at Hopkins. And then I moved out here, um, did labor and delivery for a while. And then most recently was home hospice. Okay. And is that what got you in, interested into cannabis or in- cannabis nursing. How did you get into that? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a patient who was having uh, seizures. She was on like five or six different seizure medications and was still having seizures. And I had like heard some things that like, okay, CBD is supposed to help. Cannabis is supposed to help. Um, but I don't know anything about it. Let me go find somebody who knows something and can help guide me. And I couldn't find anybody. I know that I now know that there are hundreds of us like, like hidden in the U S but at the time, like I couldn't find anybody. So then I was like, okay, well I need to become that local resource. So then from there, um, I jumped in the deep end. I started going to conferences. I'm now in grad school, six months away from, um, a master's degree in medical cannabis therapeutics. I started trusted canoners. Um, and then we recently going on maybe five months now brought Ariane on board. So yeah, I I started growing this baby from that one patient. I love that because it's, you know, I think a lot of people, there's still that stigma out there. I I imagine it depends on what part of the country you're in, you know, probably less so in California, but in other parts, they think of cannabis and marijuana as just smoking out all day and being lazy. Like that's sort of the connotation it has, but no, you're bringing a whole new light to this and you're very educated in the topic and it's a profession it's not just this sort of idea that people have about it yeah yeah that is definitely yeah so what do you offer at trusted canna yeah i'm gonna let ariane take this one Uh, what do we offer at trusted canna well i mean we offer 
like Megan said, I mean, she, she started the company because of like trying to find things through her own education. Um, we had the formulations of tinctures and gummies and topicals, um, things that we have formulated through, you know, it's, it's really, it's an interesting space to work in, right? Because it's, it's definitely evidence-based practice, but it's also critical thinking and looking at the endocannabinoid system, because that's really what a cannabis nurse is, is we're working with the endocannabinoid system which is like your neurotransmitters, it's your master communicator. So like looking at the way that it interacts, looking at um, science amongst different diseases or disorders, and then also like anecdotally, and we create different products and we can do targeted formulations or formulations for people. We offer a, a free product guidance calls for people talking about the things that we have available, um, and then we go further and offer um, more one-on-one -on -one consultations for people who desire deeper support, which is like a mind-body consultation where we're, I'm working with people, Megan is too, from a very holistic standpoint of um, what can we do to really support you with using cannabinoids and terpenes and things like that, but also using some other supplements. What is some like lifestyle medicine hacks that we can use and stuff like that. Um, because there's so many different things out there that, that we can do. And there's foundational things that I think get left at the bedside that are get left, not at the bedside, but are absent from a lot of things because we just don't have time. So we do have the time and the space to really connect with people, check for drug interactions, um, for medications with things that we're using, especially working with cannabis, because there are drug interactions with these things that can occur. Uh, Megan's brother is a pharmacist. So we have him that we can use as a reference point, which is amazing. Yeah. And then we, we also offer one-on-one um, -on -one support with people who are exploring psychedelics are curious about microdosing. We provide education with that. We um, provide like a, a six week program to work through people who are interested in microdosing along with mindfulness practices and things like that. I mean, that's a whole nother thing that's really curious, right? That's coming online. Um, there's a lot of talk in the media. There's a lot of misunderstanding about this um, and how it works and the possibilities, a lot of expectations without truly understanding the whole realm, right? Same thing with cannabis. Um, so it's, it's just been really, it's really beautiful to provide this service, to witness people, um, to see them where they're at, because a lot of people do feel like, I, I mean, we know that people fall through the cracks, right? But they feel like they're over-medicated. They feel like they're unheard. Um, they feel like they're lost and they're just tired of dealing with it. So it's really, it's really a beautiful space to work in. Yeah. I can tell you as just a nurse, you know, sometimes we're patients and I'll go talk to my doctor about, you know, X, Y, Z. I don't feel like they're listening to me either. And I'm like, I'm a nurse. Like I actually know what I'm talking about and what to ask for. And I'm still not being heard. So I can imagine someone who doesn't have the medical backgrounds that we have trying to advocate for themselves. I have to imagine it's just that much harder. So do you all work with providers at all? Do you ever have providers that reach out to you and you work together on certain patients? Um, I can take this one from my perspective. Um, and that answer right now is like, for the most part, no one, because doctors, we find, I find that they either like, aren't interested 
or mm-hmm. they have been advised that it's illegal for them to even know about the endocannabinoid system or know how cannabis works in the body. And I'll use the example it's illegal of, to know. <laughs> it's illegal to know. Yeah. And I'll use this example of um, a local orthopedic surgeon. I have a patient who uses our CBD and then recommended us to the orthopedic surgeon. And then he said, he came to me, he's like, we can't be prescribing opioids anymore. I want, I want an alternative. Um, and you know, I trust you because you're a medical professional. Um, so we have, we have our materials in his office and I offered to do some education so that he knows like a little bit about what he's talking about. Um, and he said that like his lawyers told him that he can't do that because it's, it's illegal. Um, so all they can do is like put my cards out front, which is like really, really unfortunate. And, um, you know, I have the ability to offer CEs for nurses on cannabis and psychedelic education. Um, but facilities aren't interested in investing in that, which is really unfortunate. I'm surprised. I mean, is there any movement in the legislature to change that? Because I know it's legal. I just did CEUs. I had to do CEUs for my nursing license. And there was one that was offered for marijuana and cannabis. I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to have an interview. Maybe I can not sound like a complete idiot and take this class before I talk to these people. And, um, you know, it's legal in California, but it's not legal federally, which I'm sure is why the lawyers are telling him, you know, hey, be careful, don't do this. Is there any movement in that area that you know of? Um, there a little bit. And here's the big fear around it is this whole like Medicare funding. If something is federally illegal and we are funded federally, then we will lose our funding if we do something that's federally illegal. And Medicare has come out and said in writing, like, we don't care if your patients are using cannabis as long as they are following state laws. Um, And of course, like nobody cares if you're learning about something, you know, just because heroin is illegal doesn't mean we don't know how it works in the body. Right. We can teach our patients. Um, So that's, yeah, that's, that's been a huge frustration. And there was a conference for the Society of Cannabis Clinicians on Saturday, this past Saturday, that I had a table at. Um, and, you know, there are, there are organizations for medical professionals to join who want to learn all of this. Um, and they're small right now. And doctors just don't think that they, they, they just need to like do a quick Google search to learn that they, that they are allowed to know this and teach their patients about it. Absolutely. Okay. So it's mainly patients or people coming to you. What are the top couple of things that they come to you for looking for relief from? And you can take this. Yeah, it's funny. So I just ran some numbers on that recently. And I do believe that it, it looks like anxiety and pain. And there was maybe sleep. Okay. I think is what it was. Anxiety. It was anxiety, depression, and pain. Okay. Okay. I, there's this influencer I follow. This is not nursing related, but I think she does some of the gummies and like she has her own special formulation or something like that. But she said, I was on pill after pill, after pill, after pill, after pill, you know, and that was being shoved down my throat. But this 
helped her get off. I want to say maybe all, but one of them or all of them. And she said, I don't have the same side effects. I don't have the, you know, so on and so forth. So it was just an, it's just an interesting perspective and that's what you all do. So Megan, you're saying if nurses want to, or anyone, I guess, want to learn about this, you said there's several conferences, where can they go to learn more besides your website? Yes. Um, so Cannabis Nurses Network has fantastic education, um, educational resources. Um, American Cannabis Nurses Association has great resources. Um, my favorite educational source is actually from healer.com. Um, that's Dr. Dustin Sulak. He's one of the top cannabis clinicians in the world. Um, and he has great online modules that like break it down into little snippets, you know, for people's attention spans to, um, to help teach either a clinician or just like a patient. Um, yeah. so those are, those are great resources for people. And you said you're getting your master's in something. What are you getting your master's in? So it's a master's of science in medical cannabis therapeutics. Okay. Um, and there are only a few colleges in the country that have a master's program like this, but they kind of recognize, you know, the need for people to be, to have an advanced degree in this, in this topic. Yeah. So is it specific to nurses or it's just general? Anyone can do this. Um, it's this one is specific to clinicians. Um, so we have people who, you know, they have their doctorate in acupuncture or other holistic, um, you know, other holistic specialties, but I think maybe at least half of us are nurses, I think. Yeah. And is it from, are people scattered about the nation or is it mainly just areas where it's legal? legal. Um, no, we are all around the nation. So, um, yeah, the, our cohort is small. There's only like 17 of us. Um, and we're all around the country and the college is actually in San Diego. It's out of San Diego. It's all virtual. Okay, nice. So what would be your advice for nurses who are interested in just learning about this in general? Um, I mean, if they want to just learn, I, I started with healer.com. Erin, I don't know where you started your, where'd you start your education at? Uh, my education was sparked like by trying to help my dad. Like he was my first patient. Right. Um, I think that's kind of like a story for a lot of people, like what Megan was saying. And, um, mine started going to an online conference because it was COVID back in 2020. And then I wound up in CNN and it's such a huge resource, uh, the Cannabis Nurses Network, because of the free education. And then they have like CEUs you can buy as well. Um, but I mean, really, that's where I got most of it at. And then I think I did some through Medical Institute of Cannabis. I did some stuff. Um, I've done education around conscious cannabis consumption, our training around that. I've done it around psychedelic cannabis and cannabis assisted therapy. So there's like a variety of different things out there, like really explore, depending on what, where you want to dive in at. It can, it can be like a faucet gets turned on and you're like, ah, you know? <laughs> careful. <laughs> you learn by fire hose, just, oh gosh. Now, here's a question, because Megan, you said that you worked at Johns Hopkins, and I know they've done a lot of research in psychedelics in general and decreasing depression. I would love to have a ketamine nurse or someone in that area come on because it's up and coming. Are, do you know of any 
institution like that that's doing research with cannabis and, and cannab uh, how do you say it cannabinoid no, I yeah gosh I'm gonna mess it up that's doing research in that area um, I know that the, um, so the Department of Cannabis Control, DCC in California, um, they are taking all of the tax money that we pay in for our cannabis. Um, they're taking that and putting it back into research through universities um, oh. here. So like UCLA, UCSD, um, they're doing research there. Erin, do you know where else research is being? I mean, the bulk of research of the quality research we're seeing is coming out of Israel. Because, because cannabis is schedule one, there, there's so much red tape around doing quality research. A lot of it is um, survey data, which reflects real world use. You know, a randomized double blind placebo controlled trial doesn't necessarily reflect real world use because in the real world, we're teaching patients how to self-medicate, how to figure out when they're going to need a higher dose versus a lower dose. Um, mm -hmm. And in in the high quality gold standard trial, everybody gets the same dose. So that's not, you know, that doesn't reflect real world. Um, but yeah, Erin, where else is research? Sorry, I cut you off after I asked you. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I mean, it's like you had said, Israel's, you know, the first place that I think of, like, that's really the place to like where most of it is coming out of because of limitations here, you know, rescheduling would help so much um and also like it's it's interesting to see the evolution of them trying to standardize cannabis medicine and cannabinoids and i'll be curious to see if how effective that is because everybody is very very like variable right, right. um our endocannabinoid systems are different the way we feed ourselves is different so like the way that I think about it, like as like a nursing standpoint, like how to educate is similar to like educating someone who's diabetic and on insulin, mm. right? Not based on food, right? It's based on like your symptoms or whatever. And you're understanding how to like tap in and listen to yourself and navigate how to work with this. And you really, I mean, is that standardized? <laughs> There's a, a, a protocol that goes along with it, but it's more like teaching someone to listen to themselves and dose something that's very safe. Right. Uh, with, within reason, right. Cause me and Megan have both talked to people who went to dispensaries or shops or whatever, and ended up with some recommendation from the person working there that like was way too much and created a lot of issues. Right. So there is like a thing that can go along with that, but yeah, it's just really, it's similar, right? It's similar. Right? And it's like it, a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How interesting. I was reading in the CEU, it was talking about the troubles in the United States about doing uh, research studies because of all of the rules and laws and that sort of thing. But they, I, I don't remember the names, um, but I passed the test for the CEU. They're, I think they have come up with two agencies where you have to run everything through them that are legal, they make it legal and they make it okay to run these studies. Does that sound familiar at all? Am I completely botching this? I think it's something like that. Biden has loosened um, the restrictions yeah. on, on um, doing studies. Like all of the cannabis used in studies up until now has had to come from like University of Mississippi, like through NIDA. Yeah. Um, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, I think, and they are notoriously 
anti-cannabis. If you look up any anything written by NIDA, it's very negative towards cannabis. Um, so all of the studies that we see, like, oh, that was done with shitty NIDA weed is, you know, because <laughs> oh. it's just like low, low quality. And like, they can't, they can only take like, like their crushed flour. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not making it into gummies or tinctures or anything or changing it up. It's just like that one, but Biden has loosened that. So now, um, I don't know what the new provisions are, the new rules are, but, um, I think that they can start doing more and better research on, on like the flowers, the cannabis that's grown elsewhere. Yeah. I, it's NIDA. That's what was in my CEU that everything has to go through, I guess, is that a farm? Is that a specific organization? And it's at one place. And um, I don't know that they mentioned that they were prone to not be pro cannabis, but I mean, it's kind of like any other research that you have to be careful of. You're like, who's paying for this? What are their views on it? And is the, what they're publishing through that lens of their already predetermined views. And then, and then you're like, okay, well, can I believe this or can I not? And so on and so forth. So, okay. So, I mean, I could ask questions all day, but where can they find you, Megan and Ariane, and on social media, on your website, um, all of those things? Yeah. So everything online is trustedcanonurse.com. Um, it's trustedcanonurse.com on TikTok, um, and IG, Facebook, YouTube, it's all trusted canon nurse. Um, and then Ariane has her pages too, that are the kind, the kind nurse. Um, the kind nurse. Yeah. Yeah. What's your stuff, Ariane? Uh, well, I mean, so the kind, I started working with Megan, um, uh, just a few months ago, right? Back yeah. early at the day. Um, and I started doing like, I, I started the LLC for the kind nurse because I've been working with people for a couple of years in the cannabis space. Um, and like I said, in other plant medicines, right. Um, I said with, with my dad really being my inspiration to it and then, um, seeing these alternatives that are, you know, have their own risk versus benefit profile, but overall like are more sustainable, they're healthier, they're better for body and stuff like that. So the kind nurse is just what I've been going from previously. And um, a lot of the focus that I do with things um, outside of working with medical cannabis is conscious use and um, understanding how to use it in that way. Uh, it can be very therapeutic. Like I said, I've done training with psychedelic cannabis or cannabis assisted therapy. And it's just really interesting. A lot of people don't understand how to use it in that way. Cause it's like recreational medical, right? Therapeutic might be thrown in there some way in a way, but not really. And, um, spiritual, right. The spiritual practice of using cannabis as a, a plant medicine that has been a part of our little literal evolution. Uh, so just sharing things to help people <laughs> remember and yeah. you because the stigma is so heavy. There's a lot of taboo, you know, and one of the things that I know that I see when I reach, when I talk to people about cannabis and especially around pain, like opioid abuse and stuff like that, or abuse disorder. And it's like, well, you're just going to get them addicted to something else. And it's like, what about conscious use? One, let's look at the body and what we're doing to the pain pathways and the inflammation pathways with this medicine that is a lot safer 
than the op opioids that they've been taking. So we're going to start there Two, right? Let's talk about like what it looks like to actually build a relationship with it and have conscious use around it and how to use it as a tool. Because a lot of times with chronic pain, it's also the emotional, right? That's alongside it. So um, it's, it can be used in multiple ways. And I just love doing it. And that's what I've been doing as the kind nurse. And then Megan, we, we linked up and it's like been amazing. <laughs> so good. Well, I love this because I can tell you, at least in California, um, well, I know nationwide, they're really cracking down on opioid use in general, and there's not really an alternative. I mean, there's tramadol, you know, but even now, so one, I knew that they were cracking down on it, but now with my patients as a case manager, even if, you know, the doctors prescribes it post-surgery or something, pharmacies aren't stocking it. They're just mm -hmm. not stocking it. And they say, mm, we're not going to stock it. And your prescription came here and it's illegal to transfer it somewhere else. So mm -hmm. good luck with that. And so I think that this, I don't know, this should at least be explored. We're, what, we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to ask about it. We're not allowed to learn. That's ridiculous. I will yeah. say that this for pain is one of the most researched things, like historically, in the way that it's been used and its synergy with opioids, its ability to help people come off of opioids and wean down their dose on it. It's, it's incredible incredible the way that it can be used for pain. Yeah. I think that's how people, if they accept it at all, it's typically with cancer patients. You know, I, you've seen that in pop culture. Remember that movie Stepmom with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon mm -hmm. and she had cancer and Julia walks upon her and she's, you know, smoking marijuana. And that's how she finds out that she had cancer because she was in so much pain. It was this big, big deal. But I think people halfway accept it with that diagnosis, but it's the, I mean, have y'all experienced that as well? Yeah, definitely. I think that, like, you know, people are like, we, we see this in general that, okay, we've tried everything now, let's, let's try cannabis, but yeah. like, really it should be one of the early considerations because of its unsurpassed safety profile. You cannot lethally overdose on cannabis. Um, and the side effects, of course there are side effects and there's like, a, you know, there's a dosing window, an appropriate dosing window. Um, but you can't lethally overdose and it, it acts, this is, this is the crazy part about cannabis is that because there are multiple compounds in the plant, it acts on multiple receptor sites, which is why it works for so many different things. And this is considered to be a dirty drug, which is a big pharma term that they use for any medication that acts on more than one receptor. So it, it's considered dirty. So they would rather have patients on 20 different medications instead of one medication that acts on 20 different receptor sites and can handle all of that. So um, I don't know where this started, but that's. <laughs> no, I, that is so interesting, right? Because I, as a nurse, I tried to get my patients off as many drugs as possible for whatever. I mean, if you're a diabetic, okay. Type one, okay. We're going to have some limitations, but type two, and you were diagnosed late in life. All right. Well, let's make some other changes before we get on medication. And if you need it, great. Okay, fine. But hypertension, I mean, doing, are you, let's make some lifestyle changes before putting you on one, two, and then three, and then it becomes four and then it becomes five. How few can we keep you on? in order mm -hmm. to maintain your life. I mean, it's the same with pain. Why do I want to put you on a million pain meds? 
can we just do one <laughs> or can we just anyway? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank y'all so much for coming on. Um, I know that Ariane has to hop off, but I really appreciate it. I know I learned a lot. I know not other nurses out there don't know a lot, and this will at least give them a jumping off point to learn more, and then they can come directly to you at Trusted Canna Nurse. So, and everyone for listening, I'll have it in the show notes, their IG, their socials, their TikTok, and their website. So y'all, thank y'all so much for coming on. Thank you, Erica. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at blacksheepnurse.